Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Pentecost season to all of you this Thursday, June the 9th, as the light of Jesus shines on us from Genesis chapter 13. As we look at Genesis chapter 13, we hear a little more of Abram and Lot. As they separate, you kind of look and you go, hmm, who got the better land? We know more in scripture later on about this separation and what this might have looked like, but the separation was there. And that separation was probably bigger than just, I went my way, you went your way, but it was a greater reality of faith, the Lord's blessing, and the Lord's guidance. And may that be true for us too is that the Lord would guide our ways, which as many times we see throughout Scripture, many times we sing it in the hymnal, a reminder, um, uh, Lord, lead us. Let us ever walk with Jesus. And that's what we will focus our attention on today. So open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles, for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for their support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmission.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word, we welcome Pastor Matthew Gunia of Trinity Lutheran Church in Ironwood, Michigan. Pastor Gunia, welcome to Thy Strong Word. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. And it's great that Lutheran Heritage Foundation sponsors this. I love the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. They do excellent work throughout the world. Yes. Yeah, so you have some experience with uh, LHF? Not extensive experience. But when I was serving in Chicago, there were people of a lot of different language and ethnic groups. And so every once in a while, when I was having conversation with people who did not believe, I would contact the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. And they sent me things like, Russian catechisms and, and Arabic books and such. So they helped me out a lot in my ministry when there was a bit of a language barrier. And I know that they support the church throughout the world. They're, they're an excellent organization. Well, that's a great advertisement, and they've been a great supporter of Thy Strong Word and also uh, KFUO. So thank you for that little tidbit today. But Pastor Gunia, uh, tell us about yourself. This is our first time together on Thy Strong Word, so introduce yourself. Yeah, um, I am now serving in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. I mentioned that uh, I left my parish in Chicago, and I was born and raised in Chicago, served in urban areas my entire ministry. So going to the North Woods and into a town population 5,000 is quite a change, uh, <laughs> but my family and I like it a lot up here. Um, we continue to serve the Lord here and to serve His saints. Um, it, it's a great blessing. I like it a whole lot more than I thought I might. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Lord calls and the Lord brings his blessings upon that as well. And there's times where I I feel like here in central Minnesota that I am really far north. And then I talk to someone like you, and you're a lot more north than I am. So God bless you (laughs) as you continue to serve in the Lord's land. So, Pastor, okay, you get further north, you'll be in Canada. Yeah. That's right. That's right. We don't want that. Anyways, um, I'm joking. Uh, as we look at our text today, Pastor, let's ask the Lord's blessings. Can you begin our time in prayer? Yes, I will. Dearest Lord, you were with Abraham and you gave him great blessings throughout his lifetime. Look upon us who share the faith of Abraham. And as we consider your word, bless us with the wisdom of heaven. Let us see Christ as we look at the Holy Scriptures. 
And as we study Abraham and his faith, help us to increase in faith all of our days. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions concerning our text in Genesis chapter 13, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. We are studying Genesis chapter 13, and as we really just got introduced to Abram, or Abraham as we know him later, it's important for us to always remember, as Pastor Gunia prayed, is that we put on our Christ goggles that we speak about quite often, because some of this is just... Uh, hard to understand, and if we do not have the cross, we do not have that theology of the cross, it really, you get lost in the details, and either you can see God as a terrorist, um, a hateful God, a God that doesn't guide his people in grace and love, or you can see him as a God who suffers as his people suffer, and pointed to the blood of Jesus, and that's really something that um, we really focus our attention on here in Genesis. So let's start by hearing the word of God. Genesis chapter 13, I'll read the whole chapter and come back for Pastor Gunia's first thoughts. We hear the word of our Lord. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the Negev. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold, and he journeyed on from the Negev to as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai. And the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord Yahweh. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kingsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord Yahweh, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord Yahweh. The Lord Yahweh said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I'll make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at the Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord Yahweh. This is our text today, and I do I do remember there being a Veggie Tales that spoke about this. So I have to move that out of my mind. I've grown up beyond <laughs> Veggie Tales nowadays, and so Pastor, bring us back to beyond Confirmation days. How would you want to start us off in, in Genesis thirteen? No, first you never outgrow Veggie Tales, <laughs> but uh, 
love it. So we're still at the beginning of the, the story of Abram. His name hasn't been changed to Abraham yet. Uh, he was dwelling in Ur of the Chaldeans, uh, a man with his wife Sarai, a childless. Uh, the Lord called him for no reason that we can discern and said that you are going to be the father of many nations. I will give you land. I will make your descendants as the stars of the sky. Uh, he went out, and at one point, as he was in the land of Egypt, uh, he said that uh, Sarah is my sister, or rather Sarai is my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, an interesting uh, an interesting scenario uh, that will be repeated later on. And now, as we are picking up our text, Abram and Sarai and Abram's nephew Lot are now leaving Egypt and going back to the promised land. And it's interesting, right before this, because as we read Hebrews chapter 11, we think of Abram, Abraham, as it's a great man of faith. And we see in verses 10 through 20, um, when they're in Egypt, that there definitely is that moment of the testing of faith, where we think, well, this might happen, this might happen, and this might happen. And we had a great study on this yesterday, is that reality that that to trust the Lord. So in one sense, we see Abraham has this great man of faith. Why was he chosen? Why would he go to Canaan? Obviously out of faith. But then we see him being just like you and I, verses 10 through 20. Hopefully we would not do this to our own wives. In that sense, we pray that we don't do that. But in the sense of him trying to predict how people would act, then made him go away from trusting the Lord to take care of him type of way. Pastor, you have any thoughts on that? How It's not comforting, but there's Abram, just like you and I, and we get tested in faith. And how would you encourage our listeners as we say Abram and then also in our walk of faith? Well, one of the things that I think makes the, the paragons of faith so compelling for the Christian is that we see their flaws and we see how the Lord uh, continues to bless them and cause them to grow in faith. You can look at Abraham, you can look at Peter or John or Paul, and we see that they all have their warts, they all have their flaws. Um, in the previous study, we saw the fear of Abraham. In today's study, we're going to see some anger between Abram and Lot. Uh, and even though they're normal human beings with that tendency to sin, with that inclination to sin, the Lord still continues to love them, and through the Word and Sacrament causes them to grow. He shapes and molds people into His people, just as He does with you and me. And that's an important reality uh in my in the congregation i serve messiah lutheran the the title the i guess you say vision statement if you will it's very simple but growing in christ sharing his love and that understanding of we're constantly growing he's forming us this is something that pastor Gooney and i learned a lot during our seminary days formed as servants of the lord but also forming he's continually forming us and helping us grow in faith and that's where, well, we say plenty of Lord have mercies because we realize our own failures. So, so Pastor, as we come to Genesis chapter 13, anything else you want to highlight before we start digging in? No, I, I would just prefer to start digging into the chapter and we'll just pull some stuff out of Genesis 13 that's <laughs> beneficial for us. All right, very good. So let's start here. I will do verses 1 and go through verse 7. And, and it's, it, is, it, it is fascinating how many times... We go through Egypt, right? Egypt is, is kind of becomes this place that keeps popping up in Scripture. And then also, uh, you know, they start 
moving on and they start acting like real people. I'll say it that way. So verses one through seven. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him into the Negev. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. And Lot went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. So, Pastor, we kind of have a, a family, a family dynamic that's happening here. Break this down for us. <laughs> yeah, if you go through the story of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they're a pretty dysfunctional family. If you look at all the strife and all the the things that you know, if they had counselors back in those days, they all would have been seeing a counselor and talking through their family issues. But here, what we see first of all is that Abram is coming out of Egypt, and as you mentioned, this is a theme throughout the Bible. We have Abram coming out of Egypt. We have the Israelites coming out of Egypt, and then ultimately we see Christ in his infancy, um, Mary and Joseph. And Jesus fled to Egypt in order to escape the wicked King Herod. And then all of these coming out of Egypt incidents are ultimately fulfilled in Christ. They all point us to Christ. So that's part of the reason why we keep seeing the people of God going into Egypt and fleeing out of Egypt so often. It's to, to help us with our Christ goggles so that we see that everything in Scripture ultimately points us to our Lord and how he would fulfill all the Scriptures. So that, that's one of them. And I also found it interesting that they that the Moses wrote in particular that they went through the Negev, which is a, a wilderness area, dry and desert-like, just as the people of Israel did when they were coming out of Egypt after Moses led them out, and as our Lord did after his baptism in the Jordan River. He went into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So here, again, in one verse, of Genesis chapter 13, we see Jesus again and again and again, as we're supposed to read the Old Testament. As he said, if we don't have our Christ goggles on, and if we're not looking for the love of Jesus, if we're not looking for his death and resurrection and his return on the last day, a lot of these things that we read are, are going to be head-scratching. Why in the world would the Holy Spirit preserve this story for us to learn and to study and to meditate upon and even do a radio program on well it's because it all strengthens our faith in god and in particular in our lord jesus christ so we see that in the first verse here and pastor with that is is it goes to hosea chapter 11 verse 1 when israel was a child i loved him and out of egypt i called my son which is referenced in Matthew chapter 2, which we just got done studying. Not just got done studying, but we studied not too long ago. And this is where our professor from seminary, Dr. Gibbs, spoke very, very clearly about the continuous nature of the fulfillment narrative in Matthew, pointing us back to the Old Testament. And for me, I will say this, that if you were to ask me, okay, let's talk about Egypt, let's talk about its importance, um, let's talk about coming out of Egypt. I would have obviously had the Israelites. I would have obviously had Jesus. But I would have overlooked Lot. 
um, would have overlooked Abram for this time that they went into Egypt. Because not that I didn't know this, not that I didn't have it in study, it just was not something that would have popped in my mind first. So I really appreciate your insight on that because it is, there it is, Abram, a type of Christ, if you will, um, showing us that God was constantly pushing us to Jesus, even here in Genesis chapter 13. Um, any, any, any other thoughts on verse 1? Well, what you bring out is part of the beauty of Scripture, is that you could read it over and over again. And I know that you study the Scriptures very often. And every time you go to it, and especially every time you study with someone else, you're going to see something new that was clearly there the whole time. You just overlooked it or your mind never made the connections. So you could be a scholar of the Bible and still see all these connections. And yet the Bible is such that even little children can understand Jesus loves me. They understand the story of David and Goliath, of the miracles of Jesus and the like. So it's, it's an accessible book that grows with you. And I, I think that when I was in seminary and I was listening to KFUL every once in a while, I would think to myself, oh my goodness, I could never know the Bible as well as some of these guests. And it, it got me to feel a little down about myself at times, but you, we forget that the Lord is with us and he causes growth and faith, which that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. None <laughs> of these paragons of faith in the Bible are, um, are perfect human beings. They all have their flaws and we all see their growth as well. And that's comforting to us. Amen to that. So, so as we look at that, we see from verse one, they go, like you said, they go through the desert. They're on their way to uh, Canaan. And Abram and, 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 and Lot are very much so like a normal family. And the problem is that they both have a lot of stuff. <laughs> they both have a lot of possessions. And they can't have too many of these guys in the kitchen. So, Pastor, break that part down from us, two through seven. Well, yeah, the, the land can only hold so many uh, members of the flock and members of the herd. There's only so much food and water for all of them. And the Lord blessed Abraham richly. Not only did he have livestock, which was the main measure of wealth in Abram's day, but he also had silver and gold. So uh, this is a, a shout out to the 23rd Psalm, my cup runneth over. The Lord just kept blessing Abram over and over and over again, and was also blessing his nephew Lot. So we see the goodness and graciousness of the Lord here. Um, but we also see that as Abram and Lot leave the wilderness and go to Bethel, uh, Bethel is Hebrew for the house of the Lord, uh, things are not going well between them um, since there's scarce resources, not enough to support both Lot's flock and Abram's flock. Well, there's strife mainly between the herdsmen. Um, rushing to get to the watering hole first, trying to figure out who's going to get the best grass for their flocks and herds. And this is causing strife between the two groups of herdsmen. And we mentioned, we would imagine rather, that it's not just, uh, you know, let's sit down and have some nice cordial conversations and work out some agreements between us. But, well, you know how conflicts go. When there is a conflict, it's easy to characterize the person with whom you have a conflict in the worst possible way. It's not, well, they got to the watering hole before I did, but, oh, can you believe them? They knew what they were doing. They're mm -hmm. so greedy. And you know what they did? And just build it up and you tend to dehumanize the other person. But 
we're reminded that our our battles are never against flesh and blood. Uh, people are not our enemies. People are the ones for whom Jesus died and rose again. But our enemies are the spiritual forces of this world. And through lies, through anger, through fear, through misplaced priorities, the devil is active in this conflict, driving wedges between uh, people who should be friends and brothers, who should be working together. And so we see all of this going on in these verses here. And this is where it can happen even when people are calling on the name of the Lord. So verse 4, that he went between Bethel and I into the place where he made an altar at the first. This goes back to Genesis chapter 12 where he built this altar. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. And this is where a good reminder for us in the church that we can sometimes act as if if we're all there confessing the creed, you know, we're all there confessing that we are indeed sinners, that everything will just kind of, you know, that everything will be peaceful from there on out. Well, that's just not true. Um, <laughs> that, that we gather together as sinful people, and these, the realities is the devil's going to work even harder to try to separate you, which brings us back to the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. And you think about the what he used in order to get Jesus to uh, fall. Uh, you know, hunger, uh, possessions, uh, coveting probably is the way we would look at it. Um, to look at all of this, the, 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 the thirst for power, all of those things creep in even though we're united in our calling on the name of the Lord. Pastor, any thoughts on that as, as we can kind of get this understanding that since we all are confessing the same thing, we will not have any arguments, and it just leads people down to despair when they think about faith and the church and so forth. What would be your encouragement? Well, first, you see that one commonality between all the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness is put yourself above other people. When Christ came into the world to put himself beneath other people and take, upon, and take the sins of the world upon himself, there's always that temptation to look at other people and their sin and think of yourself better. But no, we're, we're all equally sinners. We all equally deserve to be cast away from God. And even though we have Abram and Lot and Abram's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen angry at each other and trying to put themselves above one another, at least Abraham and Lot, I would imagine at times, um, we are humbled by Jesus Christ as he shows us our sins. And we recognize that we're just like every other faithful person. Uh, we struggle with our sin. We struggle with conflict. We do things that we're ashamed of. We harbor thoughts that are not exactly God-pleasing thoughts. And yet, the love of Christ is stronger than all of our sin. He remains with us. He cleanses us with the blood of Jesus. Uh, God is a God of unity. And as we, by faith, draw closer and closer to God, we thereby draw closer and closer to one another. And yeah, it can be accepted that as we draw closer to God by the word and the sacraments, the devil who doesn't want us to be united with one another and doesn't want us to have a strong unity with Christ is always going to be there trying to drive wedges between one person and another, a drive a wedge between one person and his God. And therefore, the Lord God has given us gifts and he strengthens us. He's given us the word, he's given us the sacraments. All these things not only strengthen our faith, but they drive away the devil and pull out the lion's teeth and claws. In this world, we're always going to have struggle. So if you're in your church and your church is not exactly a perfect church or your pastor has quirks or flaws or you see them in yourself, that's to be expected. That's the normal life. 
And in the normal life, which has its sin, God's grace overshadows all of that sin, and he brings good out of every evil. I'm reminded of what, what Jesus says, you know, in chap, John chapter 16. He does not promise that there won't be any issues, but he does say that I've said these things that you may have peace. You know, this goes back to after his resurrection. In the world, you will have tribulation. So Jesus never says there won't be. This is why we shouldn't be surprised. It doesn't mean we don't have grief when we experience something like Abram and Lot in our own churches, our own lives, but we shouldn't be surprised by it. But Jesus tells us the source of our peace when he says, but take heart, I have overcome the world, which is John chapter 16, verse 33. I find myself going back to that continuously as we, well, see what's happening in the world, but also when I go through our own uh, trials and temptations or conflict because, well, this is about Jesus. And so that's where we go back, like Abram, you go back to that altar and call on the name of the Lord. Other thoughts? You know, I, I had read a book a while ago by a fellow named Harold Ristow, a professor at our seminary in Canada. And one of the things that he said about the struggle of the Christian life is, and this appeals to my um, juvenile mind, is that it's the struggles in your life are always like the battle between Wild E. Coyote and the Roadrunner, <laughs> where the devil is always going to do his worst, get all his shipments from Acme to try to get that Roadrunner, and it always backfires on him, and the Roadrunner always um, comes out on top. Now, in the Christian life, it, there are any analogies going to break down at some point, but in the Christian life, we have our struggles, and yet through our struggles, we end up growing in faith. And so the opposite of what Satan wanted to happen with us actually happens uh, when we're grieving, when we're angry, when, when any of the troubles of life come, those troubles drive us to our knees in prayer. Uh, those troubles drive us to the scriptures to find some reason why or some hope or comfort. Our struggles drive us to our pastor or to other Christians for hope and comfort. And so, what Luther says about how a theologian grows is, is right, um, and everyone who's listening here is a theologian. Um, you grow through prayer, you grow through the study of the scripture, and as odd as it sounds, you grow through life struggles. And we see that with Abraham and Lot in our text. We'll see the growth of Abraham even during this not-so-happy time. Well, as we look at this, so far we have highlighted VeggieTales and Roadrunner, and we'll see if we have more cartoons to come. But right now we need to take our break. We are studying Genesis chapter 13 with Pastor Matthew Gunia, and we'll be right back. This is the voice of a mother in the faraway country of Georgia, reading to her six-month-old son about Jesus from a Bible storybook written in the Georgian language. The child's Bible was given to her by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, and the Holy Spirit is working powerfully through your support of LHF to make events like these happen every day. Help another family learn of the Savior. Learn how at lhfmissions.org. And welcome back. We are studying Genesis chapter 13 with Pastor Matthew Gunia of Trinity Lutheran Church in Ironwood, Michigan. Pastor, I really like how you ended our time by pointing us to 
through these trials, there is growth in faith. We see that with Abraham. I think we'd also see that with Lot as we get later on into Genesis uh, 18 and further. And we see it in our own lives. This is affirmed in the New Testament when it talks about perseverance leading to endurance and endurance leading to hope. And hope does not put us to shame because of the love of Christ. Love of, the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is from Romans chapter 5. I found myself really focusing on that during covid that was a really main theme that we will have to persevere through this at the same time understanding fully that it is our Lord um, who will pull us through and he will pour that love into our hearts. And we see the trial. So I wanted to move forward here to verses 5 through 7. There, Abram calls upon the name of the Lord and then the trial happens. Can you break that down for us once again as we look at Lot and Abram in this situation? Well, one thing that stands out to me is that um, while there's a comparison between Abram's wealth and Lot's wealth, and at this time they're both very wealthy men, we see that Abram is rich in a way that Lot is not, at least not yet, and, and Lot's growth in faith. Um, we see Abram calling upon the name of the Lord, but we don't see Lot doing the same thing. So we see that uh, Abram since his days in Ur of the Chaldeans through that trial in Egypt, he's growing stronger and stronger and stronger in his faith. And we don't see the same kind of growth in Lot. Uh, we also see as they are arguing with each other, they're putting themselves in a, an even worse situation because they're surrounded by the Perizzites and the Canaanites, which are the enemies of Abram and Lot. So, not only are they surrounded by their enemies, but there's this union between the two of them as well. Um, so we will see as this account goes on, the Lord in his love preserves both Lot and Abram. First, he brings them together and they, they work out a plan for themselves. And then the Lord remains with each of them in their upcoming struggles. And so as we, as we you know, that's a good, good thought process because I hadn't caught that where Abram's calling upon the name of the Lord, and Lot is just kind of there. And Lot has major issues later on, and he's kind of like this insertion of this story where you could have easily just had Abram and Sarai. You could have just had them in there. and But then Lot is added as this unique linchpin, maybe if I could say it that way, that he's added into all of this, and he clearly does not have the same possessions. Clearly, is not, at least he's not highlighted as calling on the name of the Lord. And they're surrounded by sin all the day long. I find this to be very true in our world today. That we will have uh, uh, those situations where we're comparing maybe uh, our possessions. Coveting, ninth and 10th commandment is so prominent in our lives. Not only that, but then our influences around us are so not pointing us back to Jesus or pointing us back to prayer, pointing us back to growing in faith, that everything is stacked against you in many ways. So this scenario, I think, very much so relates to our world today, which any thoughts on how we look at Abram and Lot, that scenario, and what that means for us now? No, I, I think that you nailed it. Uh, the culture that we have, uh, compared to the culture that Abram and Lot have, there are two very different cultures, but human nature is the same. We're all prone to sin, and the world is the same. Um, it may look different and sound different, but 
sin surrounds us just as it surrounded them. Sin tries to influence us as it influenced them. And wedges are tried, are driven between us as wedges are driven between Abram and Lot. So no, no cartoon reference to that part? Um, it's coming. <laughs> I'm joking. Okay. All right. So, and this is a good reminder for you, our listeners, that part of the reason why we want you to be in worship, part of the reason, actually almost the whole reason we want you to be in worship is that you are able to call upon the name of the Lord when you're probably not surrounded by it every single day, that you are able to receive forgiveness in a world that does not forgive, that you're able to receive love in a world that has contingencies on that love. Um, that you're able to receive um, uh, grace in a world that has a list before you can receive anything. In church, in worship, you receive that full forgiveness, that full salvation, that full grace, and so you are strengthened in that faith and by other Christian people. And I think that really shows us how we are in our world today. So, Pastor, I'm thinking about moving on. Anything else you want to highlight before we do? Um. Nope, let's move on. All right, verse 8. Verse 8 through 13. Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate, separate, Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, and like the land of Egypt, in the direction of Zoar. This is before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities in the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, Great sinners against the Lord. Pastor, I think, how would you how would you highlight this time? You look at one piece of land, uh, not so not so much. You look at the other piece of land, ooh, that looks pretty good. And you start to wonder, why does that look so good? Or what's happening behind there? This is a door number three reality, all in the name of trying to figure out how can we still love each other and move forward in different directions. But boy, there's a lot of things mixed in together with this. Well, how do you want to start? Well, I, first I want to show the faith of Abraham and the trust that he has and his humility. Mm. Now, Abraham is the older one in this situation, and this is a hierarchical society. A lot should be humbling himself in front of his uncle Abraham. But Abraham sits down with Lot and Abraham humbles himself. He puts himself in the lower position, just as Christ puts himself in the lower position. And we see Abraham's faith is so strong. What he doesn't say is, uh, Lot, the Lord promised me that I am going to dwell in this land that I'm now in. So you take your herds and flocks and you go find somewhere else. But Abram was so loving towards Lot and so humble and Abram trusted in the promises of the Lord so much that he said to Lot, you can take any land you want, presumably including even the land that the Lord had promised to me and to my offspring forever. And if you take this land, I'll go somewhere else. Or if you go somewhere else, I'll just stay here. Uh, so here, the first thing that stands out to me is the love and the faith and the humility of Abraham, even in this conflicted situation. You no, know, that's an interesting dynamic because... 
I, I wouldn't have thought about that either. Pastor Gooney is on fire today, um, uh, everybody, because <laughs> I really, it's amazing to me, and this is why I love being a host of this program, is because you're in, in the scriptures, rarely do I sit down with another pastor and study. And so I have my tunnel vision in here, and we all have it, but we all have it. And here, to be able to see this scenario, not as a pure, as Pastor mentioned at the beginning, um, I want it this way, that person wants it that way, therefore they're wrong and I am right. We see Abram as the man of faith who is following what God said would be there, but also out of love for Lot, which is his nephew, that he wanted to make sure that he was taken care of, that he was not seen as an underling, as somebody who was just off to the side, whatever it might be. He knew the promises, but he did not exert um, authority in this hierarchical society. So, yeah, there was submission that was there. Now, now, Pastor, so as we see this love and faith of Abram, we also see, and I, I would not, boy, this is, a, this is a tough scenario because I'm pretty sure where I would want to go. You look to Canaan on the left, you look to uh, Sodom and Gomorrah on the right. Where would you want to go, Pastor? And any thoughts? Well, I, I think that uh, Lot was an astute appraiser of real estate because <laughs> he took a look around and he saw that for his herds and flocks, the best possible place for him to go was toward the land of Zoar because it was lush. His, his hot flocks and herds could have plenty to eat. Uh, strong, healthy, well-fed animals could breed, and then he would have even greater wealth. This was um, this was a financial investment in Lot's case. It, it was as if he won the jackpot. This land is open to me. That's the land where I'm going to prosper. That's where I'm going. Now, when you stop, uh, it, you know, it, 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 without context, you would think this was a pretty good deal. You know, Lot got that Zoar area. That's a beautiful area. I tell you what, 20 years from now, you'll be making you're making bank, no doubt about it. And and it seems like Abram's happy because he's got more possessions already anyways. He doesn't have to worry about his herdsmen. Everything looks really good. And then it just kind of gives us a little bit of a, okay, here's the reality, though. Here's door number three where it says, now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. So here comes a lot into that land. And maybe at first he's like, ah, you know, live and let live. You guys have your stuff. I have my stuff. But this does not, obviously, end well. And, Pastor, this can be difficult in our own lives. We have to make choices about jobs, where our kids go to school. Um, there's this, you know, make decisions on where we live, make decisions upon, uh, you know, retirement, whatever it might be. And we have to make these decisions without knowing door number three and this is a prime example of not don't go and, and live in green, lush land, but it does show us that we have to really seek the call in the name of the Lord to make some of these decisions. Any thoughts on, on that and Lot and how this all plays out? Oh, yeah. Well, it looks like Lot and Abraham are looking at the situation through very different eyes. Um, my mind's eye sees that when Lot gets word that Abram wants to talk with him in the midst of all the strife, his anxiety goes up. Uh-oh, all right, we're going to have it out. Like if uh, you get a note that says HR wants to talk with you. Mm. Oh, gee, what's this all about? Um, but Abram is looking at the situation through different eyes where the brotherhood and the unity is more important than um, your rights or what you deserve. Uh, Lot doesn't seem to be looking at it that way. And then when Abraham 
scans the land around him, he looks around with confidence that no matter where I go, the Lord is going to be with me and he'll be taking care of me. Lot really doesn't seem to have that mindset either. Uh, Lot is looking at things through the eyes of flesh. If it's going to be, it's up to me. Abraham is looking through the eyes of faith. If it's going to be, it's up to God. And Lot also is looking at the economic opportunity of this particular land, and he's not considering the dangers, the spiritual dangers that he's putting himself and his family in were he, were he to go there. So the implications for us and for our day is we have to make all kinds of various decisions is, well, I would say, first of all, pray, talk with other godly people and get their input in things, and then make a decision based on what you know and what you think and what you feel, but do it confidently, knowing that no matter what you decide, whether the decision ultimately turns out to be good or ultimately turns out to be bad, the Lord remains with you. And any decision you make is not so big and bad and powerful that it's going to shorten the Lord's arm or or prevent him from protecting you and blessing you. So have confidence, have joy, live your life, and trust that God is always going to fulfill his promises for you. It was interesting. I was talking to my district president, uh, Donald Fondow, who's retiring. And President Fondow, he had been in the district office for almost 20 years. And I kind of asked him, what was that like to every three years you were going to be through an election? You know, what was that like for you, your family? Because it just seems daunting at times. And he said this, and he's a very wise man, is he said, well, I figured if I get elected, Lord, help me. If I don't get elected, Lord, help me. (laughs) I think that is a great way for us to think about life in general, right? Is uh, you, you can't predict the future. Jesus is very clear. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will have enough anxiety in itself. But here we see that in Abram. It's very clear that he's like, you know what? If I go to Sodom Gomorrah, the Lord will be with me. If I go to Canaan, the Lord will be with me. Abram, like you and I, um, it see, sees this, yes, through the lens, you know, it's different. That he sees it as, wow, green grass and not such green grass. And that's where we always have that challenge, like you said, Pastor to be able to stop, see this through the lens of faith, through this through the lens of Christ, and ask, Lord, help me. Other thoughts? Well, the, the last thing I wanted to do is, is talk about how struggle um, builds us up in the Christian faith. And here we begin to see the, this happening with Lot. Uh, he goes to a land where the people, the inhabitants are great sinners, and uh, in the book of Ezekiel, it, it characterizes the sin as um, inhospit- inhospitable, uh, that's not even a word, um, being inhospitable uh, to strangers. So being arrogant, being greedy, um, gaining their wealth and then crushing the poor. And then in First Peter, um, the sin of the people is sensuality. Now, Lot, as he's here, as First Peter says, he was tormenting his righteous soul over the sins of those who are uh, living around him. And so in the midst of Lot's own personal struggle, where he thought it was going to be a rose garden, all he got is thorns. But in the midst of the thorns, he learned how to rely more fully upon the Lord. He grew in his faith. So... Uh, ultimately, this turned out to be a pretty good decision for Lot, but not nearly in the way that he thought it was going to be a good decision. Well, and that's where 
Lord, help me, comes comes into play as well. So as we hear this, verses 1 through 13, we have about 10 minutes left in our time, and we could always obviously talk much longer. But I just wanted to make sure, is there anything else in verses 1 through 13 that you wanted to highlight, Pastor? I think that I would be happier just finishing the chapter, and if we can go back and point out a couple things, let's do that. All but right. I, I'm, I'm kind of like, get through the chapter type of guy. All right, let's do it. Verses 14, we'll get to the end. We'll get to the end. The Lord Yahweh said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I'll make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I'll give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at the Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord Yahweh. So the Lord speaks to Abram, and what does he say? He cuts a deal with Abram, and it's a pretty good deal. Uh, The Lord promises Abram offspring, and Abram's getting up in years, and he doesn't have any offspring yet, but the Lord keeps promising it to him, and he promises him land, and in return, the Lord doesn't ask Abram of anything. It implies that the only thing that Abram is supposed to do is just trust and believe. So the Lord is obligating himself to give great and rich blessings to his chosen servant. And in return, there's nothing that Abram has to do to unlock those blessings. They're just given to him freely. And the same is true of us. Uh, The Lord promises us the forgiveness of sins, life, salvation, his eternal presence. And in return, he doesn't say that he has to climb a high mountain or do any kind of great task or even any kind of little task. All he asks us to do is believe. Now, through faith and through belief, we find ourselves just naturally doing good works, naturally growing in love for our neighbor and such. But uh, it's not a, uh, a deal and you do this for me, I'll do that for you. It begins with the Lord saying, I'm going to just do all these things for you, period. And we see that here in our text. And it, it is, it's interesting how he has them look out, look northward, southward, eastward and westward to see all this land it does remind me of the distinction of when the devil takes jesus puts him on the you know top of the the temple or top of the 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 mountain and says look look at all this i will give it to you if only you bow down and worship me now one is the voice of god right the other one is the Mm -hmm. voice of the lord a voice of the devil and so you see a very visual difference with this that one is uh through the lens of faith and saying okay that this is what the lord has given to me and here's abram right here's abram he first thing he does when he hears this is builds an altar to the lord the offer from the devil was basically i'll give you all of this if you just worship me now there's a door number three behind that with the devil that you're like oh boy what's the catch but with the lord as you said so beautifully is that there's no catch, believe. With the devil, it's there's going to be a catch. And for us, we see that difference in our lives every day. The devil offers us something that he really can't offer, but the Lord offers, and, and then there's a catch. 
But the Lord offers the free forgiveness of sins, salvation, and new life in him, and there's no catch. It's all there for us as a free gift. Any thoughts on those distinctions that we see in Scripture? Well, I'm, I'm, it's, it's interesting that we keep going back to the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, a direction I didn't see this conversation going, but it's very appropriate. The Lord promises to Abram, all the land, north, south, east, and west, walk through it, look at it, I'm giving it all to you. So he even improves Abram's eyesight. He was already seeing things by faith, and now he sees by a stronger faith. But the Lord says, I'm going to give it to you and to your offspring forever. And you would imagine the devil implying to Jesus, well, that the offspring, that's you. This is supposed to be your land, and I'll give it to you if you just depart from what Abraham did and don't build an altar to the Lord, build an altar to me and worship me. So there's Abram continually humbling himself. There's Jesus continually humbling himself. And then there's Satan continually building himself up. Uh, humility is a great gift that the Lord has given us. And we see it in some of these paradigms of faith. And so as you look at it, it's, it's the ultimate it's really interesting, like you said, the, the faith of Abram. And this is why I encourage our listeners that as we're going through this, Hebrews 11 is a great chapter to read. Actually, all of Hebrews is always good. But we're looking at the faith of Abram because he keeps promising, and I keep seeing this throughout, keeps promising that I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth. So if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted. You had to believe there were moments where Abram's like, okay, I'm not sure if this God, this Lord God really knows what he's talking about because I have no child in front of me. I have none of that. And now you just want me to trust and believe you? I mean, this is crazy talk. You know, I, I, that, this doesn't make any sense. Have those moments. And it's much like for you and I and for you, our listeners, where we ask the question, you know, will God provide through this? Whether it is a job loss, whether it is other issues, whether it is just inflation that we're dealing with right now or high gas prices and you want to go see this or you want to go do this and you wonder, will God provide? And you hear those words, well, we know God will provide. And then sometimes there's always that tinge of, well, I'm not so sure, which brings us back hopefully to our knees. And it does for me quite often where you're like, wow, my trust is, well, kind of, kind of bad. It's not, it's not real high. Pastor, any thoughts on, on that as we see the faith of Abram and, you, you, and our own faith? Yes, this, this must have been a really emotional moment for Abram because after any kind of separation, especially among family, is a painful thing. And now Abram's life has changed. He spent so many years with Lot, and now Lot has gone off on his own, and Abram's by himself. And so at that moment, that's when the Lord appears to him and comfort him with his promises. But as you point out, I, Abram's ears probably hear these promises as somewhat bittersweet. I'm going to give you all of this land, and you're going to have it, and your offspring is going to have it. And yet Abraham didn't have any land. He didn't own any land in, in this land that the Lord had promised him. In fact, he's setting up his tent on the land of a couple of his friends. Um, hmm. And give it to my offspring? I'm pushing 80, and I don't have any offspring yet. So what offspring are you talking about? So even with the, the comfort and the promises and the renewed covenant, there's also that twinge of, are you sure? Because I don't own any land and I have no kids to give my inheritance to. And we're going to see this anxiety 
uh, increase and increase in Abraham as we move further in Genesis, too, as, uh, as Abraham has a child through his servant, Hagar. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's another, boy, that's a good like uh, trailer for us to, uh, to think about because the next few chapters is that reality. And, and Pastor, it's interesting because after all of that, he builds an altar to the Lord. Now, he was in the habit of building an altar to the Lord. Uh, he builds it in Shechem. Um, he builds it in Bethel. And now he builds it here in the Oaks of Mamre and the, the Hebron. He builds an altar to the Lord. Now, why does he do that? And why is it important for us to remember throughout the life of Abraham? Well, one thing that it teaches us is that no matter where Abram goes, the Lord remains with him. And no matter what trials are introduced into Abram's life, uh, Abram's loyalty is still toward the Lord. His faith in the Lord remains strong, even though he has all these promises. And it doesn't seem to him that the Lord could possibly fulfill all these great promises that he has made to him. Uh, Also, the Lord calls his people around his altar, the place where the sacraments are, the place from which, rather, the sacraments are administered. He calls his people around the word, the pulpit from which the word is proclaimed. And so wherever Abram goes, one of the first orders of business is to have a geographic place. This is where we go when the Lord calls us. This is the place where we offer our prayers. This is the place where we receive his blessings. This is a constant reminder that no matter what would happen to us in this world, the Lord continues to be with us and the Lord continues to dispense his blessings. Things change in this world, sometimes for the better, a lot of times for the worst. But in all the changes of our unstable world, the Lord remains constant. He remains stable. He remains firm. And his promises, his words, they never die. They're always in effect. Pastor, with about a minute left in our time, how would you summarize our chapter and encourage our listeners in Christ? Uh, The summary of the chapter is Jesus, and Jesus (laughs) is everywhere. Uh, Jesus is with Abram and Lot. Jesus is inspiring faith. Jesus remains with both of the people, and in his own way, he's continually strengthening them, uh, showing them his cross, his forgiveness, his love. No matter if herdsmen are fighting with each other, no matter if they're traveling through the desert or on someone else's land, no matter if they have promises that look like they're going to happen at any moment or be fulfilled at any moment or promises that we don't see how God could possibly fulfill these promises, there is Jesus always with his people, always showing him his love, always dispensing his gifts. And what's true of Abram and Lot and Sarai in our text, it's true of you, Pastor Fennern, and of me and of all of God's people. Pastor Matthew Gunia of Trinity Lutheran Church in Ironwood, Michigan, giving us God's strong word from Genesis chapter 13. Pastor Gunia, happy Pentecost, and thank you for bringing us his gifts. My pleasure. I'm your host, Brady Finner, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands. Mm-hmm.